communication is is so huge, uh, especially when you're when you're working with professional professional players that that have had a lot of success. Hello and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. I am Jonathan Gellner, and thank you so much for being here. This episode is brought to you by Baseball Cloud. Baseball Cloud's revolutionary software platform brings to life the numbers captured by TrackMan and FlightScope. This provides colleges, players, and facility owners around the world a turnkey product, allowing them to analyze their data using key metrics and custom visualizations on one intuitive user interface. Go to BaseballCloud.com to find out how you can have your own data analytics department for your program. Data has a story to tell, and Baseball Cloud gives it a voice. I'd also like to send a special thank you to New Era for being a fan of the show and sending over a custom ahead-of-the-curve Louisville Slugger. Make sure you check out their new spring training gear at NewEraCap.com. Now, for today's episode, we get the pleasure of interviewing Matt Borg-Schulte minor league hitting coach for the Minnesota Twins. And on the show, Matt and I discuss where his baseball career has taken him, the importance of working on the swing in the offseason, helping players process the mental side of success, and how to train for adjustability and pitch recognition. This episode is so good, and I know you're going to love it. And here is Matt Borg-Schulte. Matt, welcome to the show. Jonathan, thank you for having me on. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, again, for our listeners, some of the guests I know really well, and some I have met, and uh, we have mutual acquaintances. And and I, I actually got to meet you at the ABCA this year, which was a you know a fantastic event, and and we had some good conversations. And and uh, we both decided you would be a great fit for the show. And I know that I'm really excited about picking your brain today. But for our listeners who you know want to get to know you a little bit better. Can you give us a short snapshot of your baseball background, uh, where you've been coaching, and why you decided to do that? Of course, yeah. Um, you know, I've been I've been playing ball, you know, ever since I can remember. But uh, things really started ramping up playing high school travel ball for uh, Rick Strickland and the St. Louis Pirates. You know, Rick has a strong passion for for the mechanics of the swing, and he he kind of uh, lit a fire in me to to continue to explore and, and learn more for myself and. You know, from there in high school, I uh, I played two seasons at uh, Western Kentucky University uh, before transferring to uh, Drury University, a Division II school in, in Springfield, Missouri. And uh, at Drury, Scott Masby, Mark Stratton, um, their approach to the game really kind of taught me how important it is to uh, to establish lasting relationships. And, you know, after my senior season, uh, I, I knew that I, I really wanted to get into coaching. So uh, I was able to stay on at Drury. and. And uh, as a volunteer coach, and and uh, met met a guy named Logan Hughes, and he pretty much helped me learn how vital it is for coaches to be positive in, in negative situations. And mm-hmm. you know, after that, after Drury, I was fortunate enough to get on as a volunteer on um, pretty much an all-star staff at Southeast Missouri State uh, that included uh, Steve Beezer, Dylan Lawson, and, and Lance Rhodes. Um, Steve uh, is now the head coach at Mizzou. Dylan is the uh, Yankees hitting coordinator and Lance Rhodes is, uh, is the head coach at SIU and uh, was really able to learn a ton uh, from those guys uh, in, in my early coaching career. It really set me up for, uh, for, for a good success moving forward. And um, I spent the next fall at uh, Tusculum College 
uh, before returning back to SEMO as the hitting coach. And, um, you know, we, we ended up having the, the, the best season in program history and, um, it was a, it was a ton of fun. After that, I, I spent uh, a year as a fourth coach uh, and pro scout with the, with the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, which was, which was a great experience kind of getting to see both sides of the, uh, of the game there from scouting and coaching perspective. And, mm-hmm. um, that kind of led me to my uh, position with the, with the Minnesota twins and got in as a rookie ball coach, rookie ball hitting coach with the twins. And, um, you know, last year I was with uh, the high four mark miracle and, uh, this year I'll be with uh, AAA Rochester. So it's been kind of a crazy ride so far, but uh, I feel you know extremely lucky to have, to have had the opportunity to learn from and, and and work with some some pretty amazing baseball people. So uh, it, it's been it's been pretty great. Definitely, and I think that every conference that I've gone to this off season, there's been just a squad of Twins guys. So obviously, you guys are are taking that that stuff extremely important and taking the educational aspect and just, you know, making it your own. I, I, I literally like every conference, I think there's been at least a dozen guys wearing twins gear and they take up like an entire row. And I'm like, dang, you guys are doing it right. That's cool. But whenever we're talking about player development, obviously the twins have done a fantastic job and, and we're kind of ending the off season now in most parts of the country and we're ramping it up for the in season, but let's, let's rewind a little bit. And let's let's talk about the off season. So you get done with coaching, you take a break, and uh, you guys are doing your exit interviews, or even if you're working with players on the side in the off season. What are some different things that you have as far as goals, or as far as like these are the things that we really need to hit in the off season because we can in the in season, and just kind of if if you have a periodization model or or just something to kind of take us through the fall to kind of where we're at now. You know what what would that map look like? Yeah, I mean, I think some of the things that I, that I really tried to accomplish this offseason is just continuing to to study the swing, you know, a little bit more in depth than than you can do uh, in season. Another thing that I wanted to do is just continue to improve my communication skills and um, being able to uh, to translate things to players a little bit easier, um, as well as kind of investigating some some training methods and and how it can kind of customize that for each player and, and uh, in order to get the best out of them. So those are some of the main things that I've really tried to dig in uh, on this off season. And, and that. Oh, I love that. And, and so what about from a player perspective, is there something that I, I know that you talk, just talked about individualization, but is there a couple of different themes that you, maybe not with pro ball guys, but for our listeners who are mostly in the amateur level, what should they be focusing on in the off season to help their players develop not only individually, but, you know, within the team setting, which is not easy to do. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a ton of different things you can do. I think in the off season, it's a great time to really dig in on a swing in terms of making certain swing adjustments, much more difficult to do in season, especially when you're trying to uh, perform um, that day or, or that week, uh, making a, a big swing adjustment or a big, Swing overhaul is uh, is not necessarily the best thing that that you, that you can do for for performance on that um, specific day. So mm-hmm. uh, I think that's a great a great thing to do in the off season, as well as continue to prepare the training of of the other aspects of the, the mental aspect of the game and, and training. You know, being able to recognize pitches and and, and how you can really um, get players to to make better decisions at the plate. I think that's a huge piece in the off season, especially with. Uh, some of the training that's out there now, if you're in a cold weather 
climate where, where you can't really see pitches all the time or, or you're stuck indoors, I think it's a great, great opportunity to, to, to work on those, those parts of your game. Well, while we're on the subject of decision-making, uh, what are some different ways to train it? Because, I, again, with guys just throwing harder than ever and throwing almost 50% breaking balls in the major league level, which I'm sure will trickle down uh, all the way down to the amateur level, but what are some different ways that we can help players make better decisions? Yeah, I think pitch recognition training, it's its really been a big part of the way I train hitters. And uh, working at, at CMO with uh, – uh, you know, one of the best hitting coaches in the industry, Dylan Lawson, and I, I was able to kind of understand the value of training pitch recognition and uh, fortunate to be a, a part of the program that Dylan and, and Dr. Peter Fetty uh, created and, and see the results firsthand. And it really convinced me how vital um, that part of the game is. And, um, you know, for anyone out there that, that isn't training this part of the game, I recommend you check out Game Sense Sports. Um, they, they have a, a, a training model. Uh, a pitch recognition training app that, that allows you to, to see pitches and make decisions on those pitches and um, really kind of train that part of the game that, that is, I think, over uh, underutilized and un- undervalued. Oh, fantastic. And, and so uh, another thing that you mentioned just a minute ago is you talked about making some different swing changes, uh, which, uh, again, I fully agree with you 100% that the offseason is the time to do that. But let's say that I I'm working with you in the off season and I'm a you know a twenty year old kid and I say hey Matt let's you know let's do some lessons or I I don't know if you do lessons or not but let let's say that you do and so I said hey Matt here's some video of me can we go over it and again w- with video I I think we all have biases on what we look for uh, where we start and some different things as far as that goes and and so I I'm always interested to see you know, where, where people start, because sometimes where you start, it affects things down the line and how people finish. So uh, if I sent you my video and we were going over it, what were some, di- what are some different things that you look for? Uh, let's, let's not call it absolutes, but let's call it, uh, this happens a lot of. So uh, what are some different things in video that you look for? Yeah, I think kind of the first place that you really need to start or, or you need to look when it comes to any athletic movement is uh, how that specific athlete's body moves. You know, as as, uh, as hitting coaches, we really need to be able to work with strength conditioning, athletic training, um, so we can better understand each athlete's movement capabilities. So, um, you know, once we have that understanding, we can kind of di- diagnose each hitter uh, a little bit better and, and pr- prescribe them better training. And um, we talk about, I think this is where Greg Rose and, and PPI on base, you really kind of hit the nail on the head with Seth's own guess. If you send me a video and, and I was trying to look over and, and decide, you know, what you need to work on. I, I'd just be guessing if I didn't have a, an idea of how your body moves and what your movement capabilities are. So, you know, there's there's so many ways to swing a bat effectively, and, and each hitter is different. So if you don't know how that athlete is different physically, then then you're just guessing in your attempt to, to address his needs. And I think with the Twins, I've been really lucky to be able to work with some of the best S&C guys in the industry, with, mm-hmm. with Ian Cadish and, and, and David Rack. and learned a ton from these guys this really helped me kind of become a, a better hitting coach in, in in many ways and um i think like i said if you're just looking at video there's definitely things that you can that you can look for but if you don't know how that athlete moves you're just you're just pretty much guessing absolutely and you may not be able to open up the entire playbook for us but is there is there an example of a, a movement limitation that you see commonly and a way that you help with that or 
uh, a way that you fix that or just uh, we hear we hear this a lot and I know our listeners probably get tired of of me preaching on this too we want to understand how they move but for guys who aren't aren't in this realm or aren't on base you or any kind of movement screen trained uh, are there is there anything that pops up frequently and then maybe how do you fix it yeah so an example that that I would that I would say would be you know obviously if, if you're able to assess you know a player's hips or, or are able to assess how they move let's say you find out that his, his front hip internal rotation is a little bit limited or, or, or doesn't have a lot of range of motion there and, and you notice that this guy strikes close because he strikes close and he has that limitation in, in, in movement it may be tough for him to utilize his lower half effectively um, to transfer that energy up the chain mm-hmm. um, so you know that's where you can you can either you can address both I, I would recommend addressing both in terms of you know trying to create a more direct stride or, or landing with your foot a little bit more open in order to give you know, kind of create a little bit more range of motion for that player. But mm-hmm. in addition to, uh, you know, getting some exercises that are going to help improve that range of motion in that front hip. So that's an example that I see uh, a lot with, with some guys that um, struggle with hip internal rotation and, and in turn, you know, struggle to utilize it or half effectively. Oh, fantastic. And again, thank you for, for sharing that with us. And again, at this time of year, I think that, uh, that we're getting into the uh, decision training uh, sw- uh, and adjustability training type, just getting ready for the season. And and a, a lot of our listeners are are getting into live bullpens and probably in in some parts of the country, probably in the south, they're already playing games. But what are some so what are some different ways that we can train adjustability in the swing? I mean, again, we we talked about earlier that guys are throwing harder than ever and just filthy breaking balls at almost fifty percent uh, at almost fifty percent clip. And so, what are some different ways that you help? them to train that adjustable piece in their swing yeah i think there's there's many ways that you can kind of train adjustability um you know you could you can change the implement you can change the environment or or you can change the task uh you know, for instance changing the implement meaning using overload or underload back shorter long back um changing the environment from you know moving from flips to more game like machine work or mixed dp or, or anything like that or changing the task by, you know, having them, um, have different aiming points or, or only swinging at certain pitch types or locations. Uh, you know, I think any combination of those things is, is a great way to, to, to train adjustability in the swing and, and kind of create, um, hitters that are, that are a little bit more confident when they, when they go after certain pitches. Mm-hmm. So, so literally just setting up an environment for them to probably fail early on, but to learn and figure it out on their own. No question. I mean, there's, there's, certain time i think when you need to address that if there's a guy that needs to have a swing change uh, uh, using this type of practice might might not be the the correct way to to address that um initially but once they you know have uh um, stabilized their movement challenging them this way uh, will will create a little bit more adjustability and and allow them to 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 have uh, a little bit better chance to uh, have success in the game Oh, fantastic! So uh, earlier you mentioned in the off season you like to train the mental side. Can you tell us a little bit about what that means? Because there, you could go off into so many different directions with that. But I, I'm curious, especially with a guy being in pro ball, where you you know you've you've been through the grind and you understand what these players are going through, and it's for uh, it's an eight eight month long just grind, right? I mean, every day that they're seeing guys mm-hmm. that are that are really really good. And so how do you help them with that mental process? What are some different things that you've utilized and, 
And uh, I, again, it, it's probably individual on an individualized basis, but how do you help them with that mental process? Yeah, like, like you said, it, each guy's going to be different, but I think in general, when you, um, when you talk about the mental side, it's, it's just understanding in, uh, you know, what success is and, and re kind of evaluating or redefining what that is for each guy. And if you, if you hear, you know, things that Steve Springer talk about, I think he, he does a great job in, in talking about the mental side, because um, if you think success is getting a hit, then you're, you're not going to be a very confident hitter for most of the time, especially with the types of pitchers that, that, that are throwing, you know, the nasty stuff that they have right now, changing the goals and, and changing the, uh, uh, the definition of success allows you to be a little bit more, a little bit less biased in, in how you're evaluating it. Each player is going to be different. Some guys are going to be really confident. Some guys are not. And um, the guys that aren't, they, they need to change their definition of success. And that's going to allow them to evaluate themselves a little bit better because you could you could do everything right and get out. You know, like like he says, you could go you could go for four with four rockets and 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 lose lose confidence because the batting average went down. So mm-hmm. I think that mental side is is really key in having confidence in what you're what you're doing and what you're able to do because the best guys are are going to fail they're going to go through slumps and um it's having that same approach and, and trusting in in what you believe in and, and being able to be consistent with that that's going to allow you to um to make it through the the, the grueling uh, season with that with the uh, failure that you're going to have at the plate right now absolutely again it's it's something that it's it's a constant battle like if every every at bat four times a night you're having a constant battle with a pitcher and and being able to uh, redefine success on especially in a sport that we have next to none i mean if you're failing 70% of the time you're pretty you're pretty good still but some different ways that that you either integrate competition or you you get them to just to just love that or compete and anything i, I think is is really as a really good idea uh, as far as just trying to, to get them ingrained into competing on every single time they take a swing, which would be awesome. Uh, but over the course of eight months, I'm sure that you'll have to break up some monotony and, and do some different things like that. So this could be a question for, or, or a question and an answer for an amateur level, or even in pro ball, where again, even in BP, you're trying to, you may try to break up the monotony and say, Hey, let's, let's play home run derby today, or let's do, let's put the cones out. How, how many times can you hit them through it or, or rap soda or whatever? But what are some different ways that uh, maybe in college that you guys competed for the amateur level on, in a team setting? And then maybe what are some different ways that you guys have done it in Pro Bowl? Yeah, it's like creating competitions in practice is huge. Like, like you said, it's such a, it's such a long season and, and uh, you know, the work you, you, you have to put in day in and day out, it, it can get monotonous for sure. But uh, creating competition is, is a great way to kind of keep the energy and focus during, during a long season. And if you're able to create a competition with a prize, uh, you tend to get even more focus and, and even more energy. So uh, I think designing the competition is is really critical. You really can design it forever for whatever result you know you're trying to achieve, but you just have to make sure that that success in that drill or specific competition really correlates or, or achieves the desired results that you're that you're looking for. So whether that's uh, you're trying to hit barrel balls or, or balls that are, you know, 95 miles an hour or, or harder between 10 and 35 degrees, you know, that's something that, that it's going to correlate to success in the game. So being able to design it to, to correlate to, to achieve the desired result 
I think is going to be huge. So you want to make sure that, that that's that's happening. And because guys are always going to do whatever it takes to win that specific thing. And, and if that compromises mechanics or compromises um, your goals, then uh, you might need to change the, the way that the competition works. No doubt. No doubt. I love that. And, and another thing that, again, you mentioned early on, I'm, t- I'm over here taking notes on different things that you've hit on so we can we can uh, make sure that, that things are important to you, that are things that are important to our guests too. And, and you talked about communication. And uh, let's let's first hit on that. You know, how how are how have you become a better communicator this off season? And then I'd like to throw a wrench in it and say, how can we all, you know, as guys who the the players that we are working with more and more are speaking uh, different languages, right? And so, question number one: How have you become a better communicator this off season? And then I'll I'll just in the back of your mind keep that question in mind because I'm gonna th- I'm gonna throw that at you afterwards. Yeah, I think communication is is so huge uh especially when you're when you're working with professional professional players that that have had a lot of success and kind of for this i i, I like stealing a, a couple concepts from our from our big league hitting coach edgar varela um who's one of the best guys i know and, and is a phenomenal communicator definitely um he t- he talks about collecting coins on players and coins are just you know, small, interesting things outside of baseball that, that you can rem- remember about each guy. And that kind of helps accelerate the process of, of getting to know the players and, and developing relationships with them. And I think this, the second concept being um, that the teacher appears when the student is ready. Um, this is a huge part of developing trust. And, you know, if you can get the players trust, then, then you can really start to achieve, uh, you know, solid results. And collecting coins kind of ties right in because if you haven't collected any coins on that player and he's had some success in what he's doing uh, to get to professional baseball, then, then the student being the player might not be ready for the teacher and, and your insight uh, on what they need to improve on, no matter how thoughtful or, or how perfectly delivered it could go in one ear and right out the other. And, you know, it's always a tough challenge with the players because we don't always have a full season or, or a ton of time with them, you know, with them moving up and down and in and out. But um, kind of implementing these concepts is really makes this process much easier and, it's going to be much easier for you to, to improve uh, what they need to improve on. No doubt. I love that. And so let me flip the question on you just a little bit and say, okay, so you are working on communication with players that English is their first language, but what about with guys? And in AAA, you may have a lot of guys who speak English pretty well, but you've also worked on the lower level. So what was what was your process in making sure that guys who, let's just say, speak Spanish as their first language and are learning English, uh, what was your process in making sure that they get the same amount of instruction and coaching that the English first speakers got? No question. I think communicating with, with Spanish speakers is obviously a huge part of the public professional baseball, um, in particular at the lower level, like you mentioned. I think you know, I, I was able to, to learn a little bit of Spanish from, from, um, from school, so I had a decent vocabulary, but, but really there's, there's not a book that is going to give you the terms that, that some of the players are going to say. So uh, you really have to kind of dive in. And, and I think what I've found is that um, if you show that you're willing to try and you're willing to mess up and you're willing to really uh, put yourself out there, then, they, then they're going to respect that a lot more than, than just using a translator or, or trying to get somebody else to tell them what you're telling them. But um, also, that's it's, it's the best way for you to learn. If you're not speaking it every day, then you, you know you're really not going to improve all that much. So I think mm-hmm. that combination is, is is really key. And you know, another thing that I've found is is trust with with Spanish speaking players is even more crucial 
um, than than even with English speaking players because it's everything's so much different than than what they're used to. So you know, really taking the time to be positive and and reinforce things that they're doing while trying to incorporate you know some new things is is really key. I love that. And I love that answer. And, and that's uh, to be for the listeners that's come up several times. I, I like to ask that question because uh, I mean, personally, I'll, I'll be getting into that. And so I'm trying to prepare myself. And I know that a lot of our listeners are, uh, are, are having the same opportunities to be able to work with players who speak Spanish. And so I, I, I love that answer. And, and I, <laughs> the try and mess up thing. And I, it's not something that's easy to do because of the fear of looking like an idiot. But I think is that it's something that's vital and it's something that that's how we learn. And like you mentioned, and so I, I really do love that answer. And, and another thing that, that I'm really curious about is uh, how you prioritize individual development within the season. And so we, we've talked about the off season, we talked about different swing changes and, and different things, but I'm sure you have hitters meetings and you guys are game planning and which we'll talk about game planning here in a second, but Let's go over like how you help them to continue to get better and not just maintain for the entire season. Or if you do just want to maintain that, that, that may be something that you guys are, uh, are, are all in on. But, you know, how do you prioritize that individual development within the team setting, especially with such a long season without a lot of time? And they're facing guys who, again, are really, really good on the mound. So what, what's the process there? Yeah, I think, um, you know, in, in our organization, each, each player has pieces that, you know, that they know that they're, you know, consistently working to improve. I think in, in professional baseball, it's a little bit different because it, it's almost a little bit more difficult to get them to buy into a team concept as opposed to get them to, to buy into to individual development. But I think he, when it comes to making sure that each individual player is continuing to develop and gets the attention that they, that they need from, mm-hmm. from a coach that that can be difficult at times, you know, if there's, there's not enough uh, people to get that specific individual time, but um, you know, this is where developing relationships comes in and, and kind of creating an environment where they're not afraid to ask questions and, and kind of respectfully challenge some of the things that you're, that you're trying to do, you know, when they feel they need to. And, I think that's going to allow you to address each player's needs. You know, we use early work a lot to help um, with that aspect and, and kind of splitting between an early work where you're working on more individual things and a, a, a pregame work where you're working on more of a team approach or setting. So. That makes sense. And so what is, what is, a, what is a meeting look like with you as far as planning and approaching uh, a, an upcoming series? So let's say you guys have an off day and and you have a meeting. What are some different things? And again, just give us what you can on what you do to help the players to make sure that they're prepared uh, for the for the upcoming series and the guys that they're facing. Yeah, I think it's it's important that you know each player is different, right? Some guys have a really good idea of what they need to do uh, to be successful, and some guys don't. Some guys like to have all the advanced information and get as much as they can on the opposing pitcher. And, and some guys only want certain parts. And I think the job of the hitting coach is to kind of customize that piece for each player and, and kind of provide them what they need in a simple, easy to understand way, because you, know, you definitely want them to continue to progress and, and, and try to learn some of the new things that are coming out, but you also don't want to overwhelm them. So being able to kind of translate that in a simple way uh, for each guy and, and have it be something that they can handle. Uh, I think it is really, really important. So you might have a guy that only wants to see um, the hot zones and where this guy's throwing, or you might have a guy that, that, uh, that wants to 
see everything. So you, you have to be able to, to customize and kind of give them what they need uh, in order to be successful and, and feel like they're, they're really prepared for, for what they're about to do. Oh, fantastic answer. And, and again, it's, it, you are doing a great job of hyper individualizing your approach to each player. And, and that's, that's exactly why I wanted to have you on. Cause you're dropping some massive nuggets right now, which is fantastic. Uh, but let's, let's talk a little bit about, about yourself during the season. Okay. Again, this is eight months of the year. What are some different things that you're very intentional about? So you've been in pro ball for a couple of years, you mentioned. What are some different things that that you have learned over time to help yourself be your best self? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think, you know, I really like to be very intentional about communication. Um, but I also think that creating kind of a structure or a plan um, for what you're trying to do, because there's, there's a lot of things that have to get done every day as a coach. And if you're just, okay, I'm going to do this. Oh, well, now I'll do this. Or if you have a specific plan of, of what you're going to do each day and, and you know, allow a, a certain time frame for, okay, here's this is what I'm going to game plan. This is what I'm going to um, start looking at video of the night before. And this is when I want to do this. And having that planned out. Um, so that you have some structure and you're not just going back and forth because in a clubhouse every day, it's, it's difficult sometimes to keep on task if you have people coming in and out and then you're going to go grab something to eat and you want to shower, you want to work out, all this different stuff. Um, having a structure of, of what you're going to do each day really helps, I think, uh, kind of get the most out of, out of, uh, out of each day uh, of, of what you're trying to do. I love it. And does that just come with with uh, figuring out what you know what's important to you, and then kind of putting that at the very front of your day. I, I'm just really I want to get a look inside of your routine, if that's okay. No question. I mean, it's 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 a combination, right? So there's certain things that are time sensitive, and there's certain things that you know you can kind of do whenever. And I like to try to get the time sensitive stuff done first, so that you know if if there is something that comes up that I have to do um, that cuts out of some time, it's not cut out of the time of, of stuff that needs to get done today or that is vital for, for the game tonight. So I think taking care of the, of that, of that stuff first, and then going into any, any additional stuff that, that you're trying to work on, I think is, a uh, is, is the best way that I've found to go about that. I love it. Fantastic. So what is, uh, let's get into the lightning section or, or since you're an offensive guy, the quick hitters, shall we say. So what is something that you've learned lately that is really exciting to you? Yeah, I think, on base U is something that's really, really exciting for me. You know, as we talked about the, the, the combination of the strength conditioning, athletic training, really, really cool stuff that's going on. And I think more and more people are starting to, to understand how, how vital it is. And, um, you know, they do a really good job. And uh, I think it's, it's a huge piece of the puzzle, getting everybody on the same page. We're all working to make the players as as good as we possibly can and um, creating common language and, and making sure that, that we're communicating um, that that's going to lead to the most success. And I think on she does a great job of creating a system that, that you can kind of follow to, to help facilitate that. No doubt. No doubt. You may have mentioned this earlier when we talked about your, your process this off season, but are there any changes that you're making from last year to this upcoming season? Uh, one of the one of the things that that I've tried to kind of continue to improve on, and in in my in my mind, I always try to continue to improve. And you know, the day you stop learning as a coach is the day to me that that you get worse. And it's the same thing as a as a player. Um, but to me, having a more kind of systematic approach um, to evaluating, to training, um, just being more organized, 
guys and more consistent with uh, with the way I approach uh, certain aspects of hitting and certain aspects of of, uh, of evaluating and and, uh, and game planning and all of that. I think um, just helping be more organized and consistent is uh, is one of the things that, that I'd like to continue to uh, to improve on this this coming season. Well, fantastic. So let's say that you're in like month six of the season and it's like a really hot, uh, really hot series. Your guys are dragging a little bit and you're like, I I know the exact thing that these guys need today because they love it. It's fun. uh, And it's something that will, will perk them up a little bit. Is there anything that comes to mind whenever I ask you about that? I don't know about anything specific, but I think, you know, just having positive energy in I think bringing that to the to the park every day is is so huge because you you never know what anybody is going through and you never know um, you know what exactly is happening off off the field. But um, if you come to the to the park with with good positive energy and and you're able to kind of relay that onto the players, you know that that really makes the game much much more fun. And you know, like I said, the game is difficult; it can dominate you at times. And you know, if you're if you're always looking at the negative things, then it's it's going to be a tough ride. But being able to ha- have some fun and 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 having a positive attitude to me goes goes a long way over the season. And I really think you can control the way you think. And you know, it's more difficult for some, and it's easier for others. But being able to have that positive attitude, like I said, it goes a long way through, throughout a whole season. Mm-hmm. No doubt, no doubt. So what this and this is kind of a tough question because again we. We all have certain biases to things that we, you know, we have felt like have worked over time, and we may have discussions with other coaches about. So, what is something that you believe that other coaches may disagree with you about, or just may may, may not agree with you at all? So, one of the things that I that I try to do is is understand like the importance of swing mechanics, but also understand the the part that it's really not necessarily the most important thing. I think that's something that, that other coaches might disagree with me on. I mean, okay. don't get me wrong. Like I constantly evaluate a hitter's mechanics and, and always look for ways to improve them. Um, but I've seen it too many times where a guy with a less mechanically efficient or effective swing has more success in the game than mm-hmm. a guy, you know, that, that has a, has a better swing. And uh, I think trying to stay disciplined to answering, like getting players to answer three questions before diving into swing mechanics. So, you know, were you on time? Were you in rhythm? And was it a good pitch to hit? And if you can't answer those questions first, then, then there's really no need to talk about swing mechanics because if it, if you weren't on time, you're going to have a bad swing. If you were in rhythm or if it was a bad pitch, then, you know, your swing is going to be compromised. And I also think that that helps with the, with the mental side as well. You know, there's, there's certainly exceptions to those questions. You know, if a guy's consistently off time or, or constantly chasing, then there might be something that you need to addressing the swing and i do think though that the main point keeping hitters from relating every undesirable result Mm -hmm. specifically to swing mechanics is is a huge thing like i said especially throughout a long season and struggling and if you're thinking about oh my swing did this my swing did that well you know you were just a little bit late you still 97 so you know these types of things are going to happen and i think just making sure that that they're evaluating in the right way but it's not always going to be the swing mechanics Oh, fantastic. Great answer to a tough question. 
And so let's say that we came and watched you in a training session or just watched you one day. What, what do you think that we would notice? And, and the first thing that, that I am getting from you in this conversation is, is you've got a lot of positive energy. That may, I may have just stolen one of your answers. I don't know. But what are some different things that you are like, okay, for me to be my best self, for my players to be the best, what are some different things that you do on a daily basis that we would notice or you think that would stand out? Yeah, I think having like a, a relaxed feel but with, with structure and, and intent. So having like attention to detail and focus during specific work, but, but also creating an upbeat and fun environment so that the players enjoy it. You know, and, and you can have both. You can have players enjoy it and get better and be you know, focused on what they're doing. And I think there's a line that, that some guys can cross, but you know, working on that part of it, I think is, is really key. And, and that's, that's why I try to try to create a training session is, um, you know, having specific attention to detail, but still having, you know, a fun environment that a player is going to want to come in and work with me. Absolutely. And then I've got two more for you. You talked a lot about different coach education. And I know, I know just based on how many twins guys show up to different conferences that obviously uh, furthering education is important to you guys. But what are some different resources or books that you have really enjoyed lately or that have shaped your coaching career? Yeah, I um, I really enjoy listening to audiobooks on Audible. So one of the books I just finished up was Good to Great by Jim Collins. Really, really good one I would recommend. Um, Smart Cuts by Shane Snow. So Good They Can't Ignore You. Obviously, the MB- MVP Machine. And uh, right now, I'm in the middle of uh, Thinking in Bets uh, by Andy Duke. And, and it's, uh, it's, it's really, really good. So mm-hmm. those are some of the things I would recommend. Oh, fantastic. And and uh, again, this time of year, we made New Year's resolutions. Did you have one? Have you kept it? What's going on? Uh, I, I don't necessarily have a New Year's resolution per se, but um, you know, one of my goals is to continue to get in the weight room as much as I possibly can and, and build as much strength as I can and kind of be in, in the best shape um, that I can possibly be in. I think that's, that's, a, that's a critical thing for, for, for all coaches to, to, uh, to show the discipline to be able to do that. And mm-hmm. Um, you know, the players a lot of times follow your lead, and I think uh, having that discipline to, to get in the weight room and improve your body, I think, can uh, correlate to the players as well. I love it. Well, Matt, I appreciate your time today. I, I appreciate you going so in depth with so many of these questions and really putting your personal spin on it, which is which is really really cool. But if our listeners have any questions for you, want to get in touch to tell you how great you did today. Uh, where's the best place online that they can find you? Yeah, I'm on uh, I'm on Twitter at at uh, mborgie7, um, and yeah, that's that's basically where you can find me on on the internet there. So awesome. Well, I'm just going to open up the mic for you. Is there anything else that you'd like to tell our listeners before you go? I think one thing I'd just like to mention is just you know, as you know, um, you know, a, a crucial piece to all of our success in this game is as as coaches is, is having that support system. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've been so lucky to have, have that with, with my, uh, my, my wife, Austin, and, uh, you know, I've put her through a lot in terms of moving all over the country, changing jobs, you know, not really having much at the start. And, uh, you know, she stuck by me and, and she's been, she's been an incredible support for me to really allow me to, uh, to do, do what I love and, and really supported me uh, in that fashion. So as I'm sure you can relate to, uh, it's, it's It's a huge piece for all of us coaches, and I just wanted to to mention that.
Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. You can subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, which can include Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, or YouTube. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please share it on social media to help get the word out. Once again, thank you for joining us.